Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dorm Inform. My name is Miles Hoffman, here in my dorm to inform you of the next upcoming artists in the music industry. Today, we have Ellie Dixon. Ellie, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Okay, I am Ellie Dixon. I'm an alt-pop artist, producer, general content creator, and I do it because I am constantly overflowing with a drive to create, both musically and generally, (laughs) and uh, this is the only way I can satisfy that. (laughs) Well, Ellie, I'm a huge fan of all the content you've been releasing on various platforms. First starting off as I saw you over Instagram, a lot of your content kind of has been either going through the ups and downs of like the trends on the platform, um, including some of just your very quick um, edits and beat making takes on some of your uh, covers for certain songs that are very current and just mainstream pop music so i've i think i find that really cool and i think we'll definitely dive into how you transition from that whole instagram social media scene to one content creation on youtube something we really haven't talked much on the show and i think it would be really cool for listeners to hear more about and then two how to get in as like a full well, getting in into the whole full-time music scene of going onto yeah. streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, and then looking towards when we're in a post-COVID world, maybe if there's an opportunity for bookings and other live attractions and and um, opportunities, what that might seek. So um, to start things off, what was it like starting out recording content I presume it was either in just a room you had local to your house or it was a friend's room or a friend's studio. I don't know what the deal was, but tell us the story behind making the first videos of Ellie Dixon content. Wow. This is going to take me right back. So this was, I'm, so I'm a YouTube baby. I grew up on um, this sort of primarily UK vlogging scene. So like Dan and Phil, Dodie, that was like my bread and butter. Um, And then music creators like Paint was, or now known as John Cozart was like one of the biggest inspirations. So I grew up watching content, musical content on YouTube and YouTube was like the first place that I started posting to. Um, And yeah, I sort of slowly throughout my teens, I was slowly getting into music and and then I picked up singing and then I started writing songs, started producing songs and um, singing, writing and producing sort of all kind of happened together. Um, And then it just was the natural step to start making things for YouTube that was always something I wanted to do um I had the family camera um and you know back when you know phones didn't have proper cameras on (laughs) and yeah just uh, what was my first I think my first proper YouTube video was a cover of Rather Be by Clean Bandit and I put the most disgusting purple filter on it you've never seen anything like it and I loved it. And my friends were like, whoa, I didn't know she could sing. (laughs) And um, yeah, it all just kind of kept going from there. (laughs) Sure. What was like the time frame 
it took from the first video you've released to people in a mainstream sense starting to pick up some of your content on whatever platform yeah. you first saw that growth? Yeah, well, uh, so that first video must have been when I was sort of like 15. Um, and on and off, I've been making content. Produ I've produced three EPs. I produce an EP every summer during my years at university rather than making money at an internship. <laughs> um, so it was always, I was always making things alongside education. Um, university a-levels i'd studied maths at uni so i had absolutely nothing to do with music so it was always competing with other things and um, so that was like on and off for five years was me sort of trying to make youtube content and then getting busy and then so nothing was very regular you know like 600 instagram followers like 400 youtube subscribers it was all super low numbers and and um, my youtube following kind of grew a little bit because that was where I was putting most of my content but really we were never past like a thousand uh, subscribers on anything um, and really it's been this last year and a half so I graduated from uni a year and a half ago um, and I moved home to the family home so that I could um, kind of concentrate on doing music full-time and really it's just been like me focusing on posting and creating content and bringing my skills up and it's just grown like crazy in response to that. And especially over the last six months, I mean, it's just insane. Everything's like, you know, multiplied up by tens, you know, it's, it's all really grown. And that's just been from honing what I'm doing and getting better at what people like and getting better at making videos. And yeah, it paid off basically. You're actually based in the UK and right yeah. now you guys are facing lockdown and that's something that from in the US we're not really dealing with. So something that I, I guess that's a really great way to segue into a pretty good uh, question <laughs> of, do you think the lockdown in some ways has provided some sense of, it's given you more time to work on your craft as a musician and as like a content creator? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I sort of had an advantage in that I've always worked from home. My music setup is in my parents' bedroom. Um, that I've never had a dedicated space and I've always made things out of my bedroom. So um, really, it's I've been in my element. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I think it's been a really great time because I wasn't able to gig, which took up a lot more time than I thought it did. And suddenly I wasn't gigging and I was like, oh. I have way more time. And so basically, um, because I'm at home and not having to pay rent, um, I said, you know what, I'm going to focus on just making content. And I appreciate that I'm really, really lucky in being able to do that because there's a lot of people with, you know, livelihoods at stake at the moment. Um, so super grateful for that. And yeah, just I just absolutely tunnel vision on just make, create, get yourself good at this yeah basically and i think that mindset starts from a pretty young age and from like i mean personally i used to play music i used to be a trumpet player and a piano player for a couple nice. of jazz groups in high school and when i first went to belmont for college i was like i can't really see myself being a natural musician i'd much rather be kind of in the business realm and understanding the relationships that are formed within various groups and people. 
So mm. when you were younger and when you, before you went to university, was there like a sense of drive or did you have a mindset of like, I want to do music in this full-time manner when I'm in college and then out of college? It's really funny because part of me has always like in my brain, in the dark recesses of my brain, I think I've always just assumed I'm Beyonce and that's it. <laughs> and I think there's been that like undying drive to create and be um, successful. And like, I, I've, no matter what I'm doing, I've always just, I always want to create and I always want to be productive, quote unquote, because, mm. you know, that's such a um, vague thing. But I've always had drive to be creative. But in terms of actually having that, I want to do music full time. And um, that was one of the reasons I didn't study music at university but was because I was just coming into this world and I was gigging all around Cambridge, which is my hometown, which is kind of small. Um, there's not like loads of huge venues. I'm like, you know, playing cafes and pubs and stuff. And sure. I was producing from my bedroom and I barely met anyone else in the industry my confidence level was like through the floor it really like my in terms of my skills and my um performing I had terrible stage anxiety and so I wasn't really aware of the industry in in my head it was like you're either an artist or you know you're an accountant like that <laughs> was very black and white and so it took me coming well, so coming towards the end of uni was when I was really building up confidence. I'd got together a band um, with various people that I'd sort of come into contact with. And we formed a band, which was one of like the best six months of my life for just gaining confidence in ways I didn't know I could. And then, um, yeah, I guess it was sort of towards the end of uni when I was gigging three times a week on top of all my math assignments. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I finally realized that I can do this and I have the ability to just call myself a professional. And you, you are like, I wouldn't call myself a producer. I produced three EPs over three years and I refused to call myself a producer because I didn't have that belief that I was good enough and I think it just took a long time for that confidence to mature to a place where I could actually admit to myself that that was something that I could do and that I wanted to do yeah um something that I think you pointed out there that's something I want to flesh out is the use of like inspirations or how artists kind of what's their coming of age story I know there's a coming of yeah. age for just every individual and it's like okay going off to college mm. being independent that's like a huge step for any person and understanding what it's like to be out there in the real world but yeah. something that I think not many people realize is that kind of also applies to musicians in some kind of way or artists and producers such as yourself and mm. one thing that I noticed was when I was also a YouTube baby in a lot of different ways. I looked at a lot. I've one looked into the side of gaming. Another side of me was always like interested in music and content creation and also production on constantly fidgeting around logic pro on my MacBook. But, um, oh, yeah. something that I think really stuck out to me when 
the whole YouTube music scene started really pushing up was the sense of like DIY production. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of your content kind of fits in that realm, but in ways has actually evolved from what used to be that old YouTube content that is in some ways very nostalgic to people. And a couple of yeah. names that I, I that come to mind, two kind of different worlds, but in ways in the same one are um, Andrew Huang, who releases yeah. lots of awesome stuff that's just really in the world of DIY, self-production, and... Yeah. I'm not sure where he does it now. I think it's still in his home and he really has decked out his studio for, oh, I yeah. remember <laughs> when he first had a small little studio and he just had a white backdrop and a ukulele and he was singing about unicorns dancing on rainbows for like his oh couple God, first yeah. videos. <laughs> and then I think of like other guys like um, Jacob Collier, I mean mm -hmm. like Grammy award winning and yet has such a good understanding of how to layer production and know what goes into a song and it really shows through every live stream he does humbly stating yeah i have hundreds of like tracks in this logic session and then i have to go and mix and master this later oh off gosh, camera yeah. yeah that's a lot of time and a lot of work so yeah. with all that said i'd be curious to know if you have drawn from either of those musicians as an inspiration if there are others that have played a role in your content creation and production journey um yeah. and with that what what do you think you do differently what do you think that you bring to the table as another artist or musician in this industry that's such a good question gosh yeah so it's funny because um yeah i watch andrew huang's stuff and i'm like damn <laughs> we have the same brain. I love it. <laughs> but it's funny because I never grew up watching his stuff. I think my main, I think the three main music YouTubers that I can sort of go, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Like that was what I was feeding off at the time was Dodie, who was doing harmony layering in her bedroom. And she was also well known for doing those DIY um, sounds. And I, listen to a lot of pentatonics so that acapella um loads of layering and you can hear it now my vocal harmony layering just all the time i love it <laughs> <laughs> um and then um i think the biggest one in terms of style is john Cozart or paint who was always make sampling weird sounds and um for like a young overly creative very imaginative teenager with adhd that was like my brain was just so happy <laughs> with everything that he was making and um and like his he was making sort of funny songs um his he was well known for his um disney after ever afters and things so yeah watching those i was sort of drawn into this world of music not being this sort of like perfect polished pop release but it's like oh you're making a funny song that people just connect with that's hilarious you're making like popping noises with your mouth and suddenly it's a beat you know it was like this fascination with music just being this completely experimental thing um and i think that that grew along with technology becoming available for people 
to use at home because you know 30 years ago no one's dreaming of making a song in their like bedroom from scratch whereas now I think naturally the the tools that have been made available to people have facilitated a lot more growth in that direction um so I then as my musical journey continued I then found Andrew Hong and I found Jacob Collier and I was looking at all these people like oh my god I relate to this so much and I really enjoy this and I feel like I'm doing something similar um and I think that that's just the natural um result of everyone being exposed to similar trends online and you're all watching the same things as you will start doing the same things and um it's really it fills me with a lot of joy seeing people able to create whatever the hell they want to create by themselves in their bedroom with no time pressure on paying a studio fee with no pressure of a producer sitting next to you going you really gonna do that you know it's you in your bedroom doing whatever the hell and I mean honestly I've done some just dumb experiments but I learned from that and I think um I'm so happy that this is the way that lots of music is going um and then in terms of what I bring to the table (laughs) um (laughs) Oh, it's hard. You put yourself, and this is something that I've only been able to do recently is looking at these sorts of creators and being able to even relate myself to them rather than being like, oh, well, they're just better than me. They're just professional and I'm not. Whereas now I'm kind of thinking, okay, I can, I, I'm, I'm similar. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think what I, I bring definitely a more pop, element for sure I think sometimes we're really theory trained um musically trained virtuoso brains can sometimes just be that that little bit harder to grasp for people who are just starting out or you know it becomes like more of a ah shining light of incredible knowledge um whereas I think I'm pretty self-taught in everything I do in my production in my music theory knowledge in my musicianship I had piano lessons and that was it um so everything that I've learned I've learned by doing I've learned by and I whenever I create I constantly ask myself what how it makes me feel why I'm doing it um and I think it's led to my production being very focused on just what does this sound like? What does this feel like? I use my ear and I use my sort of, <laughs> not heart, that's really cliche, <laughs> but like I, I'm very sensory. And so I think it means that the music I make is very accessible to the whole range of people because um, it's coming from a place of f- just how do I want people to feel and and I'm not thinking about making things sort of intellectual I guess Mm. um but I still you know I have loads of a lot of my following are musicians and other artists so um it's not it, it it seems to have hit a nice middle ground of like thought through but um yeah accessible yeah i i think there's that thank you for 
like just that was a great response to that question first off oh, thank um, you <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit like um speechless just because there's so many different ideas that i've thought about just with you explaining some of this stuff so one thing is that the difference i think i see between this is coming from like a listener and a third party that mm. differs you from other youtube content creators that are in a similar vein to what you're releasing is i think you've gone through a different marketing approach with a lot of your content i think dominantly mm. what i've seen is you know during covid space out specifically got a huge like Oh following gosh, yeah. specifically on spotify it was your number yeah. one played song but it's also pretty current so mm. to me i view that as you made a huge push to be through playlisting and other ways of curation and whatever that might have looked like in a natural and wholesome way on a platform that's very collaborative and very mm. fan driven um YouTube, in a lot of ways, I think is a lot more of a media or a culture behind each channel. It, you know, yeah. the whole idea of VidCon and other big shows happening where various internet personalities come and almost do like a conference as if they're a celebrity. There's a difference yeah. between being a celebrity and being a creator. And I, I think mm. YouTube has definitely gone in a different direction since it used to be what was the platformer creators it's turned into a lot mm -hmm. of celebrities and a lot of personalities to be honest um yeah. which is unfortunate but um i think the segueing avenue for at least that one release you did early 2020 makes a lot of sense of why it had such incredible growth you had more time it was a release yeah. that happened where like I think the song works so well for when it came out. I think so mm -hmm. many people were like, I just need a moment to breathe and not deal with everything going on. And yeah. I, I think the use of the lyricism behind it was so perfect. Um, <laughs> I'd love to detail a certain portion of the song soon. Um, we're going to dive into one part that I just want to know creatively where you were at with the song. Um, yeah. And then a second thing that kind of came to mind was with your most recent release that's out into the public where you worked with Austin Prince on New Waves. That yeah. song specifically brings up the idea of collaboration. Mm -hmm. Up until this point, there wasn't really any other songs that you released out to people that was fully you and another artist working together yeah. to release a song. And I think if your whole audience or your fan base is made up of artists, in a lot of ways, they're looking at you and they're saying, she makes really good content and she's ready to go to the next level of who's the next person that we want to have as a collaborating artist on our EP or vice versa. Who do I want on my EP? Because I think that would be a really big benefit. Um, to just me as an artist, to my fan base, it's it's really a great fan servicey tool that I've seen work really well. Um, mm. And funny enough, something Jacob um, Collier has done quite a lot in mm. I know, especially in Jesse Volume Three, almost every other track on that oh, album yeah. is a collaboration, and mm. his numbers only went up because he was working with other people. So yeah. I think Spotify has really benefited from that kind of world. And YouTube kind of has done that 
a little bit where you might have like, oh yeah, look, this is a YouTuber that's also on my channel, but there's no way in which both channels get credited. It's either yes. a video that's posted on, let's say, Andrew Huang's channel, and then a video that's posted <laughs> on, let's say, your channel. Yeah. You have to make two videos basically, and then cross, you know, interchange them. It's, I've noticed it as, it's not really all that fan servicey. It's like people mm. want to know that both content creators, both creators in general, both musicians are getting credited and, f yeah. I guess, supported for their work in any way, shape, or form. If that makes sense, that mm. was a lot of information, but um, I think something. <laughs> To kind of break it all down is I want to go into um, your song Space Out, and I think there's one section if if you're okay with me playing it. Sure. We're going to switch on over to Ooh. this. And... So I'm going to just scrub over to one portion because I will let people go check it out on spotify in their own time you gotta get those plays okay anyway <laughs> um there was one section here i think it was just after the first chorus maybe just second verse it's my you can drive your car, I'll be in my spaceship Mercury, Venus, I cold that a day trip Pulling up, you think you've got the right gears You're doing miles, but I'm doing light years Revving up your engine, but it's anticlimactic Try follow me, but my passport intergalactic Can't believe when I pull up in my UFO cosmic Think you lost your jaw back there where you dropped it? I knew it's a bad habit Okay, just that section right there First off, <laughs> I don't like to be... I First off, I'm not super into like rapping necessarily like i'm not a huge rap hip-hop guy but i know no. people say bars that was bars easily <laughs> <laughs> um but as we just transition back here i i think one really cool part of that verse is again this sense of layering um mm. I can clearly tell some of the parts of the mix are just DIY. Ooh, this is a cool sound. This is a cool sound. And I know from the music video or like the production video, you point out certain parts of that in certain kinds of ways. Um, do you mm -hmm. care to talk a little bit about that section, what it was like to produce it? It might be hard to flesh out one section of the song if you want to talk about the full song and what it was like to make it by all means. Um, or if you want to talk about the verse and tell me what was the creative process behind that, you know, yeah. creative freedom with this question, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so the funny thing is that this song was born out of that verse. That was the first thing I wrote. Um, and the reason I wrote it was it was around sort of last early last summer um, where loads of artists were putting out songwriting challenges so they'd release the instrumental for their own songs and they'd say write you know play whatever you want over the top of it um, and this was an instrumental put out by blue lab beats and i had been doing a bunch of these and i was finding it super useful for like completely no strings attached songwriting experiments and songwriting 
just like getting to know myself and what I wanted to make and just trying things. And I just made a bunch of space puns and I thought I was absolutely hilarious and I was so proud of myself. And I got an influx of comments saying, can you make this a thing? Um, so yeah, that second verse was why I made the song. And I think that, that that's like most people's favorite parts. So I think you get, you do get the feeling that that's when the song really comes into its own and that's where it was birthed from. Um, but yeah, in terms of the production, I, it took a couple of tries because obviously I'd written this verse over someone else's backing. I can't do that. So I had to completely remake it from scratch, which is really hard when you've already attached yourself to a sound. Um, it's the hardest thing. It's so much easier to produce from scratch. So making this completely afresh was really hard and I was I ended up changing up the cores I changed everything um and yeah I mean it keeps the essence of everything that I love to do which is you know DIY percussion it's got me tapping um a glass pen pot and the snare is actually just a, a little pot of SD cards that I flipped over and <laughs> I love the sound I love it so much it's my favorite favorite sample for a snare um and yeah it was just a bunch of tappy things that i just i love to do that was kind of the i think i made that first actually on the production side because i just i love doing it i have a problem <laughs> <laughs> um and then the large majority of that verse was then just kind of copy and paste from chorus and verse one and I was just shoving in bits I like um and the great thing about rap um I was kind of similar to you I was never really into rap and you know the hip-hop scene I was kind of a folky jazzy pop girl um until oh, three years ago maybe and I started getting into um rappers like Anderson Pack, which are very much like gateway rappers because they're melodic yes and yes. groovy and you know it's you're not um it melodically draws you in before you're worrying about oh well, well where's the melody you know <laughs> uh, and i think and i got crazy into it and like i m quite a high percentage of what i listen to now is rap and i adore it and i love the amount of expressive freedoms that you have with rap um and the other reason I didn't start it for a while as well, I, I honestly didn't start rapping until maybe this verse was probably the most rap I'd ever done. And a lot of it was confidence wise. And especially, you know, I'm like a posh white gal from Cambridge. Like who the hell is like in my head, if I start rapping, everyone's going to laugh at me because, you know, I'm not, I'm not from the streets, you know, I'm not like, I've got no, I've got no like hard childhood stories. My delivery is different. So I had to kind of find my voice in that. Yeah. And as soon as I found it and found that it was just me being a complete idiot, I had the most fun. Um, and um yeah, building the whole wrap up was so fun because you're you're layering and you're you've got so many possibilities and you can jump into melody for a minute and it's yeah, I had I had a hell of a lot of fun producing that verse. Um and the last thing I will say is that a lot of that that rap in in particular in the way I produced it um was influenced by an artist called Barney Fletcher who is a 
super super cool rapper from the midlands i want to say um and he has an ep called i think it's canvas 2033 and it's like one of my favorite eps ever. i'll have to check it out um, yeah do it it's <laughs> so funny and like his whole delivery is just dumb and that's what i love it's just completely not taking yourself seriously yeah well, I don't mean to give a really crappy pun for this, but to wrap things up, um, I guess <laughs> I wanted to quickly go over some like future anecdotes of like where do you think you'll be, I don't know, post-COVID and give it a year. Um, what do yeah. you think you'll be doing as an artist yeah. um, and what do you think you'll be creating? Damn, that's a good question. Um, I think everything's growing which is awesome and i can totally see things i feel everything feels very positive and organic and like there's real legs at the moment so um i don't feel like i'm bragging to say that i think things are going to get a lot bigger and they really in my in my heart of hearts i feel like things are really gonna do well um so uh, we've got a lot of exciting things coming and um Things are going to get big, but I think at the heart of everything that I'm doing and that I want to do is I want to maintain creation and still, you know, if I'm touring or I don't know, whatever, like <laughs> I'm still, I still want to make YouTube videos where I'm hitting saucepans. Like I still want to do that. I still want to be making little harmony experiments on Instagram. I think that creator part of me will never stop and will always want to do that um and i envisage myself helping other people do what i do as well i want i want to give people the tools to figure out what i figured out and and you know afford a microphone that my parents were able to buy me you know um and giving people the tools to learn to produce and and have the creative freedoms i've had because i think that all that will do is make the world a better place <laughs> <laughs> you know being able to just make for the sake of it i think is something that's so powerful and therapeutic and positive and everyone deserves a chance to do that well thank you so much ellie for finding the time to sit down and just talk everything about your yeah. career what you're looking to aspire to do as an artist and for telling all the Dorman Forum listeners of what's to come. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.